Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge in sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, they offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors. Good morning and welcome listeners to another episode of the Closers Inner Circle podcast hosted by your partner in Success Radio. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and together with my co-host, Ben Gay III, we dive into the world of sales mastery with the gym from the closers part two these books part one and part two are widely known as sales bibles so today by popular demand we are going to revisit an episode from august where we opened the closers part two page 153 titled just fly the plane son just fly the fly the plane and i crack up every time i read that so if you missed that episode or are new to the closers books the focus was on sales professionals and the art of dealing with distractions. Good morning, Ben. It's Wednesday, and I think we may have a guest, a guest join us in just a bit to share what this particular chapter means to him and his very successful business. So Tony Robleski is the best-selling creator of the Mind Capture book series, and I have those books here in my entrepreneurial library. He has also been my guest several times on Your Partner in Success Radio, and he is also an in-demand keynote speaker, a strategic business coach, and a global event promoter. His work has been featured in various media outlets ranging from Bottom Line Magazine, the Detroit Free Press, the Fox TV Network, ABC, to CNN Radio, NPR, and Entrepreneur Magazine Radio. And I just saw him pop in. So in the meantime, Ben, welcome Um Welcome, Tony, and let's all talk about sales mastery. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are you doing, dear? I am just peachy. If I see one more cookie, I'm going to just have a fit. <laughs> Good I'm morning, so Denise. Hi, Tony. How are you? Today is your daughter's birthday, I take it. Yeah, we just finished her birthday lunch, so the timing of the interview was perfect. Nice. Well, tell her happy birthday from us. Will do. How old is she, Tony? She is my oldest. She just turned 26. Oh, okay. So you're through the rough period in the dating and meeting men at the door and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. She's got a great guy she's with now and uh, a registered nurse and just uh, very, very um, driven. So I'm very proud of her. All right. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, let me start because when we were talking, Tony, I don't know if you heard our, our chat in August, but we mentioned you. In fact, your ears should have been burning. It was a good way. We didn't say anything. Okay, I was making sure. Yeah, yeah, I just want you to know. But I'm pretty sure, Ben, and you'll have to correct me on this, but you, if my my recollection is correct, you mentioned that Tony took this book basically and just ran with it, or this chapter in particular, and mentions it often during his talks and his meetings. 
That's what I hear, not only from Tony, but from people who attend his seminars. I occasionally get, oh, I know who you are. And I'm starting to nod, of course, I'm the great Ben Gay Third, And they say, <laughs> Tony talks about you. <laughs> As if, if Tony didn't talk about me, they'd have never heard of me. So uh, I guess it's a, sort of a backhanded compliment, but he loves that chapter. And the funny thing is, Tony, it was sort of a throwaway chapter. I remember when I wrote it, I was thinking, Does, will anybody care about this? How can I tie it in? Because it really it was a true story. My flight mm -hmm. structure caused it to happen. And uh, so I twisted it a little bit to make it applicable to sales. And for some reason, it's taken off. Everybody has, everyone who reads The Closers Part 2 has a favorite chapter. For many, it's sales infiltration, the last chapter in the mm -hmm. book, which I think is the best thing I've ever written about selling and maybe one of the best things ever written about selling. But Fly the Plane, Son, uh, really strikes home with a lot of people because it talks about distractions. And uh, it struck home with me. This is a little longer than you might want, Denise, but it, let, let me give you a little background when I was president of Holiday Magic Cosmetics, that was the major company. We had five subsidiary product companies, uh, motor oil additives, vitamins, and so on, and two seminar companies, the ones that started the modern human potential movement, the forerunners to Est and the Forum and Psy World and all were Leadership Dynamics Institute and Mind Dynamics Institute. We merged the two and it became an industry. That's where Werner Earhart started. He was one of our top instructors. So I said all that to say this. There was another company that I hated because it was where all the money, where a lot of the money went. Bill Patrick, the owner of Holiday Magic, had a lot of hobbies, 3,500-acre ranch, 125-foot uh, yacht in Sausalito, a uh, big house, and... Uh, we ran the Marin County Airport, Noss Field, for the county, and we bought a Cessna dealership there, I guess, to justify our, its existence. And we had 42 airplanes, the <laughs> only flying B-29 in the world, the Fertile Myrtle, <laughs> the one that dropped Chuck Yeager's plane out of its belly when he broke the sound barrier for the first time. Also, how I got to meet Chuck Yeager, he used to come by couple times a year to visit the Fertile Myrtle and to, and to get me to approve him flying the P-51 around. He loved the P-51. Most of the 40 SMOD planes were in the flight school, but I resented, I'll tell you how much I resented, it was called Spectrum Air. I referred to it as Rectum Air. <laughs> And if you were president of one of the other companies and not doing well, I would, as punishment, also make you president of Spectrum Air oh, as punishment. <laughs> and one time, a guy named Harold Lipska was, had been done something wrong. So he was president of Spectrum Air that month or a quarter or whatever. And we had a board meeting for all the various companies. When we got to Spectrum Air, I opened up the P&L, turned to the back sheet, bottom right corner. That's all I know about a P&L. That figure should not be in brackets. <laughs> that I know. And I looked down and it wasn't in brackets. Spectrum Air had turned a profit of $3,500. So I took Mr. and Mrs. Lipska 
and flew them to Hawaii for a week as reward. And he said, the trip costs more than the profit. And I said, that doesn't make any difference. I can now say Spectrum Air has made a profit. <laughs> now, with all that, uh, Bill Graham, the rock promoter, crashed a helicopter coming into Nosfield Spectrum Air. They got it hung up in the power lines and he died. Uh, a guy named Dr. Dedina died. And there were probably four or five others. We had an F-86, which unfortunately flew into Farrell's ice cream parlor and killed 26 people, primarily children. I hated Spectrum Air. Therefore, I never took lessons, never learned how to fly officially. I unofficially co-piloted the Learjet, <clears throat> a few things, but I never took lessons because I didn't want to look like I was approving that operation. Then I lose, uh, leave it and come up here to the Placerville area, and I've uh, got time on my hand, a little cash in the bank, and I thought, I'll take lessons. And my wife at the time, she's passed away, Marcia said, you're going to pay for lessons when you ran an operation? I said, I didn't like that operation. So it was Bob Williams at the Placerville, uh, at the Cameron Park Airport, it's just a few miles down the road, who did the uh, fly the plane son thing for me. And uh, he used to love the stories, flying stories, pilot hangar jockeys love flying stories. But as I began telling them to him, I realized how many of them had ended tragically because of distraction or stupidity, or in the Air Force, they say never run out of altitude and ideas at the same time. Uh, and so many of them had uh, John Denver, a uh, great example, uh, crashed his plane in the ocean and died because he was fiddling over his shoulder with a fuel switch. The plane he flew had to go from one tank to another. And you did that by flop, flipping a switch like in an old Volkswagen where you used to swap tanks so you didn't run out of gas. I guess watching the gauge wasn't enough. He was fiddling with that when he went into the water. So I had story after story, true story after true story of people who were not doing what they should have been doing at the moment of their death. And that's where that chapter comes from. It's really true. And it has killed so many sales careers because everything, to, as, as long as you're role playing, hi, my name is Ben Gay, I'm here, da, 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 da. Prospects don't say this, they say something like that. Okay, and then you go to the next step, next step, next step, and 25 steps in or whatever, you try and close the sale. That's wonderful if everything goes according to plan. However, as some general said, no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. And in this analogy, the customer would be the enemy. Not true, but no battle plan survives contact with them. It never goes the way it's supposed to go. So the, as the old saying goes, it's not important what happens to you. It's important how you react to what happens to you. And there came that chapter and Tony's love of it, which I really appreciate. I could almost create a career on that chapter based on the groundwork you've done, Tony. Uh, and this is show, as you probably know, having been on it, is Denise's. She's a benevolent dictator. Hey. But, 
But in First this, we stand in the south. Hey, now. <laughs> but in this moment, Tony, share with us how you use that chapter and what it means to you. Well, um, Ben, first and foremost, um, thank you for writing these books and, and Denise for doing this partnership because Ben and I have known each other for about 10 years now. And I've been a big steward of saying, hey, the, the legends of our industry that have great knowledge and wisdom, I don't want to see it get lost, Ben. So there's my selfish motivation is I love your training. You're, you're a great human and a friend, and I'm grateful. You and I talked two weeks ago privately, and I, I thanked you for just being a good human. Mm-hmm. Okay, But these books will live on. And I don't want to see with my influence and the people that I get to serve and, and influence that they miss out on what's really, to me, treasures. And I've read hundreds of sales books, been to all the great seminar rooms like you have. And sometimes there is a sales trainer that you just know you connect really well with and the writing just magnifies it. So the closers part two, I've read closers part one. Um, it's not my favorite. It's a little bit more technical. It's phenomenal. It's a foundational, but the closers part two, the stories. And I, I go back to your old friend and compadre Zig Ziglar that, you know, the facts tell and the stories sell and many others have repeated that, but stories in the realm that I am in now, I do a lot of social media, which is a blessing and a curse. I don't like the addictive nature of it, the short attention spans of it. However, it's another platform to get reach and to connect with people. That all said, I believe there's more upside to it. And when I look at particularly that chapter, Just Fly the Plain Sun, it really also connected deeply with the writing that I do on the power of attention or what I call mind capture. And I didn't know it's coming up on 20 years next month. When I wrote the first book that Dan Kennedy, another one of my heroes and mentors, did the forward to, that I didn't know I was on to something about the problem of attention. It's not just me, Ben, that, that sees it, but little did I know that social media the last 15 years would make the attention problem infinitely worse. That said, I can't tell you as many times I fly. Sometimes I'm with my partner, Linda, or I'm on my own, and I go, <clears throat> the captain, I'm like, just fly the plane, son. When they get on the overhead announcements, it's, and here's the funny thing. I had an old, had, keyword, an old fear of flying for many years due to a, a childhood incident flying back to the Bahamas. It traumatized me for probably 30 years. And I said to myself when I became a full-time speaker, teacher, and writer, look, you have to fly through that and get over that fear. So there are times when we hit rough turbulence occasionally that I just go, just fly the plane, son. I'm thinking of the captain. <laughs> Focus on that. We'll get through this rough weather or this turbulence. So there's a double meaning. But back to sales in this audience. Um, The distraction problem I didn't know 20 years ago would magnify to the level it is, and it's getting worse. Um, I recommend to all the listeners, I always say go get the closers part two first, then get volume one, because that's my passion. But these stories, thank God you got them, Ben, because you know, we can share them in the digital realm. We can share them on a podcast. We can share the physical books. Um, I don't know. I just look at it and go, this book is so highlighted. I'm holding it in front of me and it's circled and noted and there's stars and there's questions and comments I wrote next to margin here. And I go back through it several times a year and I will teach it several times a year in front of leadership groups about, hey, here's someone that is a lifelong learner that to me talks about how we're all in sales. And absolutely, the second favorite chapter is sales infiltration. That is a clinic, Ben. And uh, I will echo your thoughts for what they're worth. That is just powerful writing. And you've told the story in front of my live groups, the download. 
But bottom line is this. Um, you say in the end of that chapter of just fly the plane, what makes the difference between top salespeople? Training and education before the moment or the sales process is happening. And it's the same in flying. You might have hours and hours of boring. The computer takes over. All of a sudden, you have a, a landing gear that won't go down. That is where the pilot, he or she makes the two, 300 grand is to know how to get that landing gear down once in a while. And I'm grateful that our fly boys and girls around the world are some of the best trained and they practice constantly, many times in the simulators or in Cessnas or even on their job, that they're prepared to say, we've got two of us have to figure out if something goes wrong. And in sales, Ben, I love to sell. And I think we're all in sales, whether we choose to admit it or not, is there's always something new every day I'm learning. And I could have a week where a lot of my sales presentations are, are fairly regular. And then once in a while, boom, there's something completely out of line. Like, hey, all of a sudden we got to cut the meeting short. You have five minutes. You got to present in five minutes. That's where you learn to adapt, improvise, overcome. And as you would say, focus, just fly the plane, Tony. You've got five minutes now of runway time, not 20. And I think for you know me being a Gen X, I'm 51 as we tape this, I'm not so much worried about those of us over 50. You know, we're more about you know, the blocking and tackling and repetition and putting your time in. But I look at a lot of the clients I have and their, their customers and their employees that are under 30, and my kids are all in their 20s. The attention span is much shorter. The expectation for results is much higher. And typically, a lot of the under 30 set expects or feels entitled that they should just win business because they read about or they watched a YouTube video. Um, I have news for everybody listening. It takes many times years of practice, hundreds of repetitions, thousands of sales calls before it becomes very natural and intuitive. I've been selling professionally for 31 years now, and I never mail it in, Ben and Denise. I am still learning. I'm still reading books on it. I'm still refining, not because I don't believe I'm a good salesperson, but I don't want to get too comfortable. I don't want to take for granted that the next meeting could be completely different than I've ever seen. And it will come down to how much preparation, practice, research, um, learning I have done before I get in front of that boardroom, that committee, or that CEO, or that vice president. So again, Ben, what's also, I, I recommend your books a lot to so many people is because your books came out before Amazon, long before yeah. I could find the digital bookstore, and you sold hundreds of thousands, if not millions of these in the 70s and 80s. So to me, this is like a lost classic to a lot of those that are under 40 years old. That's why I'm very adamant not to, you know, shamelessly sell you on stage. And I say, look, when I see greatness and phenomenal wisdom that you don't know about, and I don't tell you, that's a disservice. Go out, get this book. And I usually show a picture of you and I from Chicago when we were at my boot camp. And I tell a little fun story because the story gets them receptive to go, who is this guy? Who should I care? And why is Tony talking about him? And then I say, get this book. They set that sales presentation up in my live events where they're like, I need to find out more about this guy. Wow. And there's Tony with him. He must exist. And then they're very compelled <laughs> and strongly urged. When I say, get this book, it's one of my favorites of all time. Many of them will research right in front of me, which is the new audience of the world. They'll get on their phone and start researching. I've seen them do it. Or I'll say, hey, if you're on your phone, go over and order the book now, <laughs> okay? But the whole thing is this, Ben. Um, it just also deeply ties into the problem I see when I, when I train salespeople. They're not focused. They're distracted. Most of them don't understand blocking and tackling, and they quit too damn soon. 
So I pull out your repertoire. There are a couple other masters in my own teaching that I integrate in because I know they work and I know the intent behind them is very solid. So there's my, my overview and why I'm such a raving fan and a friend of yours. Wow. Did you hear that, Denise? I did. <laughs> it needs to go on your Christmas card, Ben. <laughs> I'll find a graceful way to work that in. Tony, last week, Denise caught me doing something. It was subconscious, but I'll have to admit it was planted deliberately in my subconscious mind. I said, uh, I have a circle of influence, a small group of friends all around the world. And I went on to something else. And Denise said, hold it, hold it. I a heard small, what you said. Yeah, <laughs> a small group of friends all around the world. <laughs> that That's devious. I said, yes, <laughs> you caught me. And then he had to go tell his wife that he was busted, which made my day. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah, I said, Gigi catches things like that frequently and uh, uh, in social situations, but she was delighted that Denise caught me. Uh, I said, I said, uh, my small circle of friends all around the world, and before I could go on, uh, Gigi said, you really, you really said that? And I said, oh, there's two in the last 30 minutes who found that humorous. Yeah. Yeah. You said something, uh, 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 training kicking in and so on. Uh, Harry Truman, who and and Denise, I'm really quote truly quoting him. When in doubt, I, I want to I want to attribute something to somebody. I always I, believe. Yeah, always. I, I always say Harry Truman. This is something Harry Truman really said. He said, "What a man does on some great occasion will be determined by by what he already is." And what he already is will be determined by years of prior preparation. And that's an advantage the three of us have over many people who are new to the business, either new in age because they're in their 20s or 30s or new to the business. I meet people all the time who have just started selling in their 60s. Uh -huh. I met a guy not too long ago whose first sale, he was in his first sales job for a week or two of selling cars. And he was 70 something, 71, 72 years old. So whatever newness is to you, uh, people say, well, go back to basics. I had a person say to me not too long ago, I said, just go back to basics. And he said, I don't have any basics. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm new to this. You know, I've, there's nothing for me to go back to. I said, okay, then let me t give you a couple of suggestions that you can make your basics. And of course, the closers was it. No couple of Zig's books, and I sent them. I had an extra one of yours. I sent them one of yours. So, you know, so if you don't, if you're new to selling because you're 20 or you're new to selling because you did something else for 50 years, there's a way to quickly build up your knowledge and basics. It's all been written down. Yeah, I've had people say to me, you know, should I follow yours material or Zig's material? I said, well, selfishly, I still I have grandkids now. I'm gonna have to put through college. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am biased, but pick one and take action. I know a lot of people have gotten rich and never studied anything that Zig didn't write. I mean, it was strictly from him. My running buddy and, and first business partner, the greatest salesman I ever worked with personally, James H. Rucker Jr., his sales education, other than cumulative experience, stopped 
when we were going to J. Douglas Edwards seminars. For some reason, Doug Edwards really struck home with Jimmy. Mm -hmm. In fact, he quoted him just the other day, uh, uh, an affirmation. You know, when he wakes up in the when he woke up in the morning, he's happily retired now. But he said, when I I would wake up in the morning, I would say to myself, you know, a hot dog or something, another great day to sell. And he said that's mm -hmm. the way he started every single day, and it was based on Zig's belief in affirmations and the material Doug had taught him. And I pointed out to him several times that. I was his partner running buddy and, and he usually sort of worked for me. Uh, <laughs> he, do I get any credit? And he said, Oh yeah. Yeah. Some, but it's Doug Edwards <laughs> turned my life around. Well, that's fine. I've got the book I wrote for Doug's family right here. Sales closing power, whatever it takes, find a system and lock yep. into it. And then and over I, time, I, you can do other things, but lock into one right now. Everything you need to know, want to know, has been written down, is in a book that's available to you. Yep. Well, Ben, I want to add to that. I 100% agree. Forgive me, there's a train going by as we're taping this, if you hear it in the background. Um, I'm not in the middle of the railroad tracks, by the way. I am safe for the audience. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, I want to add some. Just last night, I've been doing a lot of reading in December because I'm finishing up another book and I'm not on the road as much. And I, I like to use year end to retool and get ready for the new year. Okay. And I'm rereading a 1952 version of how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. The pages Charlie, are all Charlie really... Manson's favorite book. You were saying that a couple weeks ago and I'm reading <laughs> it again and the pages are really old and Brown because it's an older, it's like 72 years old now. And the, I think the original version came out in 36 or 38 that Dale wrote. Mm. In chapter two, he's talking about, if you want to know, like, take one thing away from this book, is flip your presentation and sales to make it about the other person's perspective. If you can look behind their eyes and make it about what they want and what they want to achieve, you will have a bountiful sales and communication career. And I thought about it. A lot of your teaching echoes that. These stories are dripping in the closers too with we make it about them where they actually create the offer with you and they go i'm convinced because they feel that they made the decision and they controlled it when they know that's an art form where you led them along the where you wanted to take them and they they jump on and you're co-creating that together so i want to share with the audience to add into your wisdom that that wisdom from dale carnegie i'd forgotten sometimes like wow if you make the idea where you go, hey, I can see where you're coming from, or tell me why you want to maybe bring me into your organization. What are some things that you're struggling with? What are things you see that annoy you that you know could be better? And then they'll just start telling you, man, my best sales presentations are just listening. I might ask a question or two and they go 30, 40 minutes because I'm trying to let them unravel or give me their confession of what I do may have alignment with their problem or their, their, their opportunity. So Carnegie was right. Your wisdom is there. I'm also drawn to those that have decades of wisdom that they graciously, ridiculously give us in a book for 20 or $30. A book to me is still, both authors, is the biggest ripoff on the planet to the author because the author, he or she, has given out all their best tips. 15 20 bucks and i just sit there and go what a bargain for us that are readers and that do our own self-education to get off the phone and the internet and go read someone's mastery so again thank you as i said at the beginning here and i got to run shortly but 
I appreciate you condensing these books when you wrote them, volume one and two, and continuing to keep the torch moving. Ben, you don't have to do this. You could have retired a long time ago. So I look at you giving us the gift of the current sales generations now going forward of still wanting to teach. So I thank you and Denise for having me on because I'm just grateful you're still doing this, honestly. Well, bless you. That's very kind of you. I'm frequently asked if they don't know me, are you retired? I've got enough gray hair to spot sport that question. <laughs> uh, and if not, uh, they say, when are you going to retire? And Gigi and I have an inside joke about that. She says, no, no, don't retire. She doesn't want me underfoot 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No. Um, no. And uh, and my real answer is to what? I'm doing what I love to do. Give that yep. up to do what I don't love to do. Mow the yard. What? You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And I encourage you to remember that because your time is coming. Yes. <laughs> 15 or 20 years, you're going to have to answer that question yourself. And if you're still loving doing this, keep doing it. You don't have to do as much. I used to do 300 speeches a year. I cut back to 24 and then COVID cut me back to nothing. But yep. I, I learned Zoom. So yep. now you've you got to have a real good story and a corporate jet that flies into Placerville uh, to pick me up to get me on an airplane. I I have nightmares about checking into a plane and taking off my shoes. And oh, one advantage you have coming up. I went to take off my shoes in the airport a few months ago. And the guy says, how old are you? And I said, 80 or whatever I was at the time. And uh, he says, you don't have to take your shoes off. At 65, you're done. I said, yep. No one told me that. No <laughs> one told me that. So there you go. There, there are advantages if you don't die to live in a long time. That's crazy. <laughs> Listen, Tony, I, need, I know you need to get moving, but Ben and I were talking in our virtual green room, which we never let anybody hear because we don't have filters. I have to cut that part out. But we were, <laughs> we were talking about something that you said that kind of got my interest, you know, that you slowed down a little bit or you, you like to focus on what the new year is going to bring for you. And Ben, share what you were saying about salespeople when they're either, you know, shutting down. Or I think we mentioned October, November, and December. And I, I would have yeah. to paraphrase, so I'm going to let you take over. Halloween tool. We were talking about liking Christmas. All the little kids are grown and gone and nieces and nephews, we see them, but they have their own lives. And I try mm -hmm. not to be one of those places that you have to go. You know, they'd say, you know, well, we'd like to swing by. I said, do you want to or do you feel like you have to? Well, you know, you're my uncle and so on. I said, take us off the list. We love you. We'll, we'll love you in June. I don't need to see you now. Yeah. Go, go away. Uh, but one of the things I really don't like about Christmas is the slowdown, especially in our industry. Salespeople start a week before any national holiday slowing down. And with New Year's, they start a week early and then they need four or five days afterwards to recover and put themselves back together. So I'm I'm here. I'm ready to go. I'm, you know, I st still get up at 430, start answering the phone at 445 uh, into the office doing the things I do. Uh, but I don't do as much of it because they determine that pace. I'm I'm years mm -hmm. past cold calling. Ben, so, let me let me add to that if I could. Um, mm -hmm. This is ironic as we were taping ten minutes in. I had a phone call from a prospect that wants to hire me from Northern Michigan. They've been trying to get a hold of. She's the HR director. 
So as soon as we're done with this interview, I'm calling her back because I've been trying to catch her for a couple of weeks. Very consistent professional follow-up. She finally called me back. I thought, oh, don't take it. Focus. Just fly the plane, Tony. You're on yeah. an interview. Yeah. Call them back. I have meetings in two days, which is what, two days in front of Christmas with prospects about sponsoring my event next year. And they know full well we're going to connect, but they're also going to be signing up for a sponsorship that day. We have meetings next week after Christmas. And I just don't let up. Where I get a little frustrated, that I did more in the years past, is when people just go, oh, we're going to wait till the first of the year. Well, most people may do that. There are a few that are in the office. <clears throat> Those are the ones I try to connect with when I'm not traveling. After my family commitments, like, I'm still working. So I will be making deals happen a couple of days before Christmas and a couple of days afterwards, I already have sales appointments during that off week for most people. Mm -hmm. I'm working and leveraging that because I enjoy what I do. And I also know a lot of people are going to call me January 3rd and 4th. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm like, whoa, I was following <laughs> with you for like two months. So to manage the influx of air traffic, no pun intended, where everyone comes back to work. So I do as much as I can to get in front of the right people that are still working and then deals are still happening. So let me get this out of everybody's head that's listening. There are sales that are made between December 15th and New Year's Eve. Trust me. I do it all the time. When I was cold calling and looking for people. Oh, sorry, man. I was yep. going to mention something real quick. One, one of my favorite, you know I have five favorite people in the world. You're one of them. You're in the top two. The other person in the top two is Jim Tunney, NFL referee. You know, he's known as the dean of NFL referees. I met him on the phone through an introduction through a friend of ours, and she's very famous in the real estate industry. And she said, do you ever stop working? I said, no. She said, well, I want you to meet my friend, Jim Tunney. And we have been firm friends since Christmas Eve. No, I'm sorry, New Year's Eve about 10 years ago. Wow. I had That's turned awesome. down that invitation. I wouldn't know Jim. Yep. When uh, referral business is rather crucial, referrals, uh, crucial. And the longer you've been in the business, the better it is. I, I sometimes feel like I've pedaled to the top of the mountain. Now I get to coast down. Uh, I'm, I'm writing currently ghostwriting two and writing another one for myself, three books. But the world wow. would do just fine without the three books. I've already done, you know, I've, I, I have almost have to make up things to talk about. I covered that, you know, yep. so on. So anyway, I'm, I'm getting some of the coasting thing. What I started to say earlier about your the calling thing and being available, I'm available the same year round but the people calling aren't because they're yep. lazy and disorganized and so and so uh but the, the I, I'm, I feel like biden I, I lost my train of thought well don't it, fall it, over. it was it was really important <laughs> it was really important it would have changed your life <laughs> but unfortunately it escaped in that lead in it'll come back after you get off the phone Tony. Well, we were there talking you about you know the importance of always being what doing what you need to do and not taking fake holidays and they're not fake i shouldn't say that but you know just giving yourself permission to just sit back eat cookies you know make fudge and not do a darn thing is not smart you mm -hmm. you that little silicone reminded me of what it was what it was was checking on tony's thing about reaching people during the holidays and so on i found back in the days when i was actively cold calling people and looking for new business 
I found that the important people were easier to find to get on the phone nights, weekends, and holidays because the winners among us are working. Yep. They they may go to Tahiti for a week, but they're usually still available somehow. Uh, But the workers work and the ones that slack off are not the ones that built the company. They're not the one that's going to take over the company. Uh, I was looking, you know, I remember calling a very famous person one day, figuring, well, with that, on the holidays or whatever, maybe I can get through the gatekeeper easier. And this boy said, hello. And I said, hi, my name is Ben Gator. They said, oh, yeah, I know about you, Ben. The guy I was trying to smart my way through the gatekeepers to reach answered the phone. Wow. I said, I'm surprised you answered the phone. And he said, it was ringing. <laughs> <laughs> he's there in the office alone and the phone rings. What do you do? You answer it. Exactly. The point that you guys are making is that the the deal makers and the, the people who can make decisions are working. Yep. Yes. And believe me, and now that I'm in my 50s, when I take some time off, I have fun taking time off. You can't find me. So yep. I'm not always go, 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 work, work, work. I did that in my 20s, 30s, and 40s. And now I'm more refined where the gas pedal is about 90% down most of the time, but also energetically I've changed age-wise and energy and it's working much smarter and efficient than just expanding energy like I did in my 20s and early 30s. That makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. We The daily success system that Dr. Napoleon Hill taught me has built into it. One of the most enjoyable parts is we block out at least four, sometimes five, long weekends a year as soon as the new calendar shows up which it did a couple of weeks mm. ago so then we did you know i pick out those weeks and friday nights and you know this and that and somebody's birthday or what have you uh in advance and then they become locked in stone they we don't do anything so i'm i'm with you there but the point is to structure your life and business the way you want it. Uh, yep. I don't I don't do podcasts on Saturdays and Sundays, for instance, or much of anything else. That's family time. Uh, and I might take a phone call here or there, but like we've been talking, you don't get many on Saturdays and Sundays because the goof offs are goofing off. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's what they do. Yeah. Well Tony, I know you're trying to get away and you're being yes. polite and we appreciate your your attendance. Uh, you're Denise, very Denise was, saying, Denise was saying bad things about you when she thought you were nah, late. I don't believe it, but, you know, good try. I did not, um, but if I but, did, it was in a sweet voice. Thank you. Here <laughs> we go. Thank you both for the invitation. Happy Christmas and New Year's in advance. If I don't catch you both, and I appreciate it. Take care. Thank Bye. you for being with us, Tony. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Nice so, guy, isn't he? Yes, he is. And I always love having him on my show. And I do have his books. I've got the mind capture books. And I, you know what I really love about those books is that he, you know, they're full of quotes and there's room to write in them, which I hate writing in books, but his books are made for that. And I'm picking them up all the time and, you know, jotting down a note or a thought about a particular quote or something he shared. And I'll go back and look at it and go, huh, that was my perspective then and it hasn't changed but this one is different so it's always best to go back if you can and look at where you've been in these books and pay attention to what has changed in your life or your perspective 
and make notes because, you know, things do change as we grow and evolve. At least that's the plan. I've been writing in the margins uh, on on books that I owned. I've never hesitated. You were taught not to mark up a book in school right. because they were going to pass it on to somebody else for the next 10 years. Uh, so that I got. But if I paid for the book, I can do whatever I want to do with it. And I mine are all highlighted. Every book I read has in it a highlighter pen and clip to it a ballpoint pen. And those, those don't come off until I go on to the next book in that particular stack. I mark them all up. And Sales Closing Power, the book I did for Doug Edwards' family, uh, half the pages are blank. You know, writing on the left, I think it is, notes on the right or vice versa. Uh, I did it for a couple of reasons. One, to fatten up the book because my personal notes were uh, extensive, but not enough for a whole book. And two, I thought, I'm going to make it easier for people. And when we send that book out, it comes with a Bengay pen and a highlighter pen. In other words, here, there's room to take notes. Here's a pen. Here's a highlighter. Have at it. And see, books like that grab me because, you know, even though my my inner child is saying, don't mark this book. <laughs> look, there's lines. I'm supposed to mark it up. So I have a little quarrel with myself, but they're very important because they do give you that opportunity to go, huh, okay, this was pretty darn good. Yeah, I understand this. And then you can go back and say, what was I thinking? Or, no, I still agree with it. So th those kind of books are important. So it was really nice to have Tony here. I'm so glad he was able to join us. He's a nice gentleman. He uh, is. <clears throat> and very, very ahead. sincere. Yes. Uh, he truly, a lot of people in our industry mouth all the right words because they read them somewhere and memorized them and so on. Tony speaks from the heart. Every time he opens his mouth, that's what he really believes and thinks and feels. I agree with you. And like I said, he's been my guest before and he'll be my guest again. So we were going to, I think, talk a little bit more about the holidays. And, you know, if you find yourself, and this is my question to you, Ben, if you find yourself saying, oh, you know, this, the end of this year is not working the way I want it to, but I've got all these things that I need to go do. Where should you stop yourself and say, what can you do? You know, can you work at night? Can you work when the kids are asleep? What can you do? How do you show up? Because if you're the person in charge of your business, you need to show up. Absolutely. I follow the daily success system that Napoleon Hill taught me. And it doesn't require motivation. It requires self-discipline. You have to open the calendar and do what it says. But I, you know, I'm always seeing those things from speakers and authors. Plan your day uh, the day before. In the morning, it's too late. Well, I maintain that the day before is too late. I have. I wrote down. I was laughing at myself the other day. A phone call I have to make in at noon in November next year because I promised my wood. So out came the calendar, wrote it down yellow, highlighted it in yellow, uh, meaning this is important. You have to do this on an hourly basis. And he probably will be stunned when the phone rings at exactly noon his time, uh, what, uh, 13 months from now, or maybe I'm doing it backwards, 11 months from now, whatever. Uh, 
because I plan my day. I plan two parts of today that I plan just looking at it were probably written six months ago. Uh, one of them is the Denise show at 10 a.m. highlighted in yellow. That's throughout the calendar the rest of this year, and soon it'll be every Wednesday next year. I don't want to forget it. I don't want to slide by and so on, and that time is not available to anybody for any reason ever. Uh, until you tell me not to call anymore. <laughs> that will never happen. So go ahead and go for the next five years. <laughs> but uh, I block out the time. And people say, well, isn't that too much trouble? Too much trouble planning your life versus letting it just happen to you. Uh, I coined a phrase years ago. I don't use it much anymore. It doesn't come up much. But somebody was saying, all these things always happen to me. You know, this happens, this happens, and so on. Jim Rohn, when he get questions like that, used to, they'd say, why do things like this happen to me? He said, I don't know. <laughs> Every time one. you do that, I just lose it. <laughs> I just got the biggest kick out of him when he talked that way. I don't know. Oh, and then the other one, uh, this happened, this happened, this happened. Why? And Jim Rohn would say, well, the best I can figure is things like that always happen to people like you. <laughs> so, to avoid that, I plan it out and and I block it. So, and uh, Gigi gets uh, frustrated with me sometimes if, you know, uh, what are we doing tomorrow? I said, I don't know. Go to the office and look at the calendar. The office is an office wing in our house. That's not sending her to Detroit to check the calendar. <laughs> Uh, but I said, I don't know, check the calendar. Well, don't you know? I said, no, I'll know when I walk in the office, sit down and open the, the calendar to, to today. And then it will tell me what to do. And I even know when I have to walk in the office because there's certain times I don't in the morning that I don't book things by the hour. So if, if I'm going to be late, I'm always working wherever I am, but if I'm going to be late, uh, I don't have to look at the calendar until about 10 a.m. most days because that's when my scheduled day starts. And it just gives you so much more freedom to sell, to take time off, to do follow-up, whatever. It gives you time and structure. And uh, one of the questions I sometimes get and get frustrated with, uh, friends ask all the time, been a while since we've talked. What are you doing now? And I said, I hate that question because I'm doing what I've been doing for 60 years. Yeah, that's really ever since, that's Yeah, it. ever since Dr. Hill taught me the system, that's what right. I do. And, you know, you mentioned that system, and I can't remember now how long we've been doing this every Wednesday. It seems like we've done it forever, but it's new this year. We just started, but one of the very first things that you taught me and we talked about was exactly that system. And I remembered that I, for many, many, many years had a day, day minder. And then I got out of the habit because I'm a web developer. I'm in front of a giant monitor all the time. By the way, I bought myself a new giant monitor for Christmas. Good. I'm almost afraid of it. I think I've got <laughs> a bigger house, <laughs> but I haven't unpacked it yet. But and then I went, oh, and I got to thinking. So I went and I got the same day minder that you use and I use it every day. And listen, I'm like you. I have booked things that are, you know, a year 
from down the road. I do it in my calendar online, you know, in my Gmail, and mm-hmm. I do it in there. This morning, as a for instance, I mean, I'm one of those people that when I wake up, I hit the floor running, and the devil says, "Oh crap, she's awake." I mean, I'm always <laughs> do something. But today, to your point, I knew that I wasn't. I had not scheduled deliberately, had not scheduled anything until now. And mm-hmm. I, I got in the kitchen, I made banana bread, I made, you know, pumpkin bread, I've got cookies that are getting ready to go in. I will be delivering to my neighbors for Christmas tomorrow. But I wasn't worried, I didn't have to keep running in here to my desk, go, where am I supposed to be? What's going on? I planned not to do anything that was work related, and to take care of Christmas. But then later today, I'm right back into my schedule. There you go. Yeah. And that, that's the way to do it. It's not only what to do, it's what not to do. Exactly. Or or what you won't allow. Uh, somebody the other day, very important client said, uh, let's, uh, he had computer problems. Let's reschedule this for Saturday or Sunday. I said, I don't work Saturdays or Sundays. Those are family days. Well, do you ever make an exception? Oh, if you were bleeding from a ruptured artery or had a compound fracture and you were lying beside the road, I'd probably take some time out to get you help. But uh, short of that, don't ever count on me Saturday and Sunday. That's taken. It's not like I'm doing nothing. It's taken with Gigi. Right, right. And I think that's something that people don't quite get. Well, but you're not doing anything. Well, yes, I am. You know, I'm taking care of family. I'm taking care of me. I'm walking the dog. I'm doing something. But yeah, it's, and this morning, and, you know, Tony mentioned, uh, you know, something, and he didn't say this, but I wrote down attention attrition. We get Mm -hmm. lost. If we don't stay focused, we get lost. But because I knew that I did not need to be in this office doing anything until, you know, 20 minutes before it was time to jump on with you and Tony, I focused. And I'm not a baker. I could cook anything. You know, I mean, I mm. live in the South. If we can catch it, kill it, we'll cook it. That's just. <laughs> or, if it, or if it hasn't been dead too long. Listen, you joke. I had, you know, in my other house before I bought this one, we had above, you know, there are power lines were not buried like they are now. And all of a sudden the whole neighborhood went dead and it turns out a squirrel had got in the transformer and just knocked the whole neighborhood down. I am not joking. This guy pulls up. I went out and I said, what happened out there? And he looked at me, said, how long has that squirrel been dead? And I said, why? <laughs> why do you want to know? <laughs> he took that squirrel and I don't, I didn't, I guess he made a suspect. I don't know. It still grosses me out. But... We used to have the trolley run. Uh, you know, where the two poles go up from the back of the bus to the wires up. The trolley run ran, it was all over Atlanta, but one in particular ran right on down East Lake Drive in front of our house. And down the two blocks down was East Lake Country Club. So we had a lot of caddies and help wandering, country club help wandering past the front of our house and right under those trolley lines. And almost all of them had a bag with them because of a possum, or I don't think a squirrel's big enough, but if a possum or a raccoon or something made the mistake of touching the two wires simultaneously, he was sort of pre-cooked for somebody's oh. dinner. Yep. They'd pick him up and go. I caught a huge turtle. I never saw one before or since, but I mean, the 
the shell was the size of a manhole cover in our backyard. And being a young boy and being stupid, I picked it up by its tail and brought it out front to show my friends or something. And one of the caddies coming by said, Mr. Ben, what you going to do with that squirrel, that turtle? And I said, I, I don't know. I hadn't thought it passed carrying it out here. And he says, let me take that. Yeah, that was supper time. <laughs> and they, yeah. they, somebody was telling me at the club, they probably served turtle soup that night. And for sure, I mean, this thing was, you know, a 50 pound turtle or more. Uh, for sure, the gentleman who took it from me had turtle at home that night. Aww. So I, when you said, uh, if we <laughs> catch it and kill it, we eat it. <laughs> we do. We do. But my point is, I can cook anything serious. I can't. I love to cook. It's creative. I don't use recipes. I cook by the seat of my jeans. I may go look at a recipe and get an idea, but then I just, you know, make it my own. Baking that requires that I follow directions and I fight with my nav system. She's not the boss of me. So my point for all this is that because I knew I could focus this morning from seven o'clock until 1130, whenever we got on this thing, I focused on one baking thing at a time. You know, this, these loaves got done. Then I didn't try to multitask and it was very cathartic because I knew what I was doing. I wasn't making mistakes. I didn't burn anything. And I didn't add salt or I should have added sugar. So I'm very pleased with my morning <laughs> so far. I never realized the significant difference between cooking and baking. Oh, it's a big difference. Yeah. You do one yeah. or the, some people can do both. I don't. I mean, yeah. I can bake, but it requires a lot of focus. Gigi made us some cornbread one time in her baking mode, not out of a box, apparently. I don't know. And her brother, who passed away recently, but he was rather outspoken. He was like us, maybe not quite as sophisticated, but whatever crossed his mind came out of his mouth. Yeah. He took one bite of the cornbread, spit it in the plate and said, Jesus, what is this? And uh, I said, David, you saved the rest of us a lot of time and trouble. Thank you very much, because I've had a little bite, too. And I was thinking, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> don't say anything excuse yourself i was trying to think of something to say when she noticed i hadn't had much of it but david handled that for us and <laughs> that's how it got we got into the difference between cooking and baking Gigi is not a baker oh i never will be although i am very pleased again it's because i was focused i was relaxed I had set aside this time for that, not racing to go do social media. That was already done. Finished up a website last night. That was already done. I was able to say, okay, Denise, enjoy the time. And I did. I actually did. Normally, when I'm having to bake something, there's some bad words floating around. That <laughs> I didn't even hear one, and I live alone. So You would have heard it. I would have. Yeah. Well, I appreciated being with you today. Uh, before we go, I'm so excited about your uh, uh, new program for teaching people how to do podcasts and make Me them successful too. and profitable. Would you drop in a little plug about that for all of us? We are still firming it up. I really thought that we would be able to launch it last week, but... You know, you look at it. Oh, and I think I shared this with you. David came up with this. We were having a conference and he just came up with this question that had both of us going, well, 
son of a biscuit. We didn't even think about that. So we had a bit of retooling to do, which is a good, Mm -hmm. it was important, but it's called get your voice heard. And if we are not able to, yeah, I love it. Get your voice heard. It's so important. You know, you can be a podcast guest, you can be a podcast ghost, but honestly, host, not ghost host, but honestly, in my way of thinking, and I'm a web developer, I do a lot of social media for clients, but podcasting is, in my opinion, marketing 101, because people get to hear you. They get to hear the nuance. If you do, you know, audio and video, they can also see you, but it's just, you've got to get your voice heard. So if we can't get it out between now and the first of the year, it will be out the first of the year. And we're very excited about it. So if anybody wants to know more, you can find, you know, we'll be posting on social media and we'll be posting on our websites, but we'll keep you posted, but it's going to be called Get Your Voice Heard. And Ben, are you doing any mentoring right now between now and the first of the year? Well, um, if they're an established client, yeah. I'm not aggressively looking for people. We had two openings a week ago. One got filled and another one opened up. So I think I'm still at two openings. And uh, my mentoring program, if if you're new to the broadcast, is pretty simple. I try to do for people what Dr. Napoleon Hill did for me when he became my mentor. He was 84. I was 25. And so he gave me the best. He was a very smart guy and very wise and everybody loves thinking go rich and so on. But for me, his major benefit was he was 84 (laughs) and I was 25 and he'd met a lot of the very successful people of his era and worked with them. That's where thinking go rich and the law of success came from his experiences with those people. And I sort of pass that along. I've worked with not not only Dr. Napoleon Hill and many of his contemporaries, but uh, one of my business partners is the guy who gave W. Clement Stone his first copy of Think and Grow Rich, uh, which uh, he attributed much of the growth of combined insurance to that book. And it was given to him by, I didn't know about it when it happened or its significance until one day, Years later, when the guy who gave Clum Stone the book said, uh, you know, we have some stuff in common, uh, and it would turn out in common was working with Dr. Hill and uh, and the book, and it's important. So I do for people, many people, almost exactly what Dr. Hill did for me in that I'm 81. He was 84, uh, and I have many clients who are in their 20s and 30s. And the Chinese, I think it is, has a, a saying. It's a Ben Gay saying now. I'll attribute it to Harry Truman. <laughs> uh, if you want to know what's further down the road, talk to someone who's coming back up the road. They've been there, done that, and so on. Uh, I've been very fortunate to have met and worked with and run companies that are borderline legendary And I'll tell my clients exactly what I learned from those experiences. And many of them, Denise, you'll appreciate this. Many of the things I teach, I hadn't thought of in years, but so-and-so client will say, well, I'm having this problem. And it's like a flashback in a movie. You know, I haven't thought of that in years, but I went through it. Friends went through it. I know what we did to solve the problem and so on. And here's what it is. Well, that's the guy coming back out of the up the road out of the forest i've been there i've done that and so on so i share it in my mentoring program 
Uh, I take 30 to 35 people at a time. And the reason that's a fluctuating number, it depends on who they are. Sometimes I have an abundance of people who eat up a lot of time. And sometimes I have an abundance of people who are yes or no people. You know, Ben, I'm thinking about doing this. Should I, should I not? Yeah, I think you should. Good. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> that opens up. <laughs> so when you have people like that, it opens up time in the schedule. So if you're interested in the mentoring program, just shoot me an email. BFG3, as in Benjamin Franklin Gave the Third, at DirectCon, short for Direct Connect, D-I-R-E-C-T-C-O-N dot net. And just say something about mentoring in it, and I'll send you the details in the letter. No obligation on your part. We're not going to answer the phone and try and talk in anything. I'll just tell you what it is. And then if you're interested, you can uh, register. If we have an opening, you can register and we'll work together. And since Tony, you always, Denise, but Tony spent a lot of time hammering on the closers today. If you want the closers, any part of the series, uh, go to uh, this is special uh, offer from Ronzoni Books, where you get special pricing and free shipping at my website. We offer neither. Uh, so, but I'll send you what's best for you. Go to stores, like a department store, stores.ebay.com forward slash all one word Ronzoni Books, R O N Z O N E Books, B O O K S. Uh, they carry the same unconditional, no questions asked, lifetime money back guarantee as if you bought them from me. And they're all signed and dated because they bring them over for me to do with their books. And if you order before two o'clock on a given day, it goes to you that day. We call it sudden service. So uh, if you want the books, you can have them in your hand pretty darn quick. And that was going to be my next question. <laughs> You're going to think I'm a total idiot, but I didn't realize until last night when a friend of mine said, you know, this is Christmas week. I went, what? I should have gotten an email. Why didn't I know this? <laughs> what do you mean? And I looked at the calendar. I went, oh, my God. I mean, right now we're here. It's 1220. Christmas is five days away. So my question is, if you want these books for yourself, you know, or for a friend, if they order today, can they get them in time for Christmas or close to? Probably, yeah, very close to probably is the answer. Or you can, one of the options is priority mail. Uh, priority mail, you'll have it by Christmas. Gotcha. Well, listen, everybody who is listening, these books are very much a part of my entrepreneurial library. And I've said this before, I've got hundreds, hundreds of books in this room. And every single book was gifted to me by my guests, my podcast guests. And I have a dedicated shelf that I can just, I don't even have to get out of my chair. I can just reach over and grab it. Ben's books live on that shelf. Zig Ziglar's books live on that shelf. Some other people, Tony, Tony Robleski's. I've got two of his books over there. Books that I am constantly delving into are on that shelf. Have yourself a very Merry Christmas with an entrepreneurial library. If you don't have one, start one. So Ben, what are we going to talk about next week? We have, and I just mentioned it you know, earlier, this is a penultimate podcast for this year. So how are we going to go out with a bang next week? 
Well, let's work with Elmer Wheeler. What do you do for a living on page 157 of the closers part two? You do for a living, huh? I don't even know what I do. I just do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> well, you gotta look at, look at your calendar and do that. I do. <laughs> I, I really do. Well, listen, thank you. And I'm so glad that you were here and that Tony was here. I will get this up and on the internet in the next little bit. And thank you again. I always love chatting with you. Bless you. You have a wonderful day. And since I won't talk to you before Christmas, I'll see you a couple of days afterwards. Uh, you have a wonderful day, a very Merry Christmas, and be safe on Christmas. You know what? I'm doing my Christmas on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Day, I'm going to be flat on my back with a book and a bundle of cats sitting there, on me. There you That's go. my plan. I'm not going anywhere. And you guys do the same. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Love you. Love you too. Bye.